So I will open uh, today's regular meeting of the Peace River Town Council for Monday, June the 22nd, 2020. And let the meeting show that we started at quarter after five. <clears throat> so uh, councilors should have an agenda in front of them. And it's relatively thick today. Um, any, any further additions? There are none, Your Worship. Any deletion? Deletions? There are none. There are none. Okay. Our prayers have not been answered. Uh, is there somebody willing to make a motion to adopt the agenda as presented? Mr. Uh, Good, all in favor? That takes us to the adoption of minutes. And uh, the minutes are from June the 8th, 2020, regular council meeting. Any problems with those set of minutes? I take it that we've given uh, given Ms. McQuig uh, full marks for for uh, recording those. So perhaps a motion to uh, to move that forward. Who's making that motion? Uh, Mr. Needham, all in favor? Great. Um, any, uh, any public hearing, Mr. Parker? Uh, there are none, Your Worship. Any presentations to be made? There are none, Your Worship. Bylaws. There's a request for decision regarding the 2073 fees and charges bylaw. That is correct, Your Worship. And, uh, Director Bell will be taking that over. Uh, just one uh, thing I'd like to officially to the record if possible. Um, we do have one uh, counselor, Counselor Ford, who couldn't make it uh, due to family medical commitments. And he just wanted that officially on the record. Okay, very good. Great, thank you. And uh, yes, uh, Ms. Bell, you can, you can uh, lead the discussion on the 2073 fees and charges by the Great, thank you, Your Worship. Um, before Council this evening is a proposed updated fees and charges bylaw. Um, it is significantly different than the work that administration and the Community Services Board had done earlier in the year. Are you getting a lot of feedback? Yeah. Um, you're, you're coming in fine. On the bylaw or on the uh, microphone? I'm just wondering, I'm seeing some saying they're getting a lot of feedback from the microphones there. Okay. It might be through chambers if you're leaving your mics on. Oh. Okay, try now. All right, let's, we'll see if this is better. Um, the proposed bylaw that's being presented uh, really only has a number of minor adjustments and clarifications on some of the fee structures, but predominantly with the Baytex Energy Center, and some wording and adjustments on uh, some of the existing fees, just for clarification. Um, for example, we've added a daily reduced daily rate at the Baytex Energy Center for the meeting room. Um, the intent is to offer a reduced rate for a user group. For example, if you're having a hockey tournament, 
instead of paying a per hourly rate for that room, you automatically get the room if you need it for your tournament and it would be a significantly reduced rate. The per hourly rate was very expensive. It was going to be over $250 a day for a group to use that space and that's really not the intent. The intent is to ensure users are, our regular users are maximizing our spaces and they're able to put on successful events such as a hockey tournament and they do need spaces like a meeting room. Um, the indoor playground rental had been one of our initial great ideas, but once we got into the operational of um, actually operating the facility, we've uh, decided to remove renting that playground space. We encourage people to rent the meeting room for their cake, their hot dogs, their gift openings, whatever they want to do for that, and just utilize the playground for a short period of time. Because um, we've run into all sorts of cleaning issues, cake and the uh, flooring that we have in the playground uh, do not work well together. It, it's a block system and things get shoved down food bits into in between those blocks. So um, we're really discouraging use of that space for any sort of um, food activities. The field house court rentals is the other area that we've made some adjustments. Uh, we've previously discussed this with council. These rates were extremely low, specifically for school rentals. Um, they were a flat rate, whether you were renting one court or three courts. And now we're proposing a graded rate that will, the schools will pay a slightly higher rate if it's two courts they're renting or three courts. Um, keeping the rate below the youth um, cost per, per rental or per court rental. Um, so it's very, still very reasonable. Um, Fieldhouse drop-in fees, again, we some clarification on age ranges and we added a student rate. Um, what we were noticing over the past year is anytime a student that was coming back from um, college, university, that kind of thing, be able to access the facility, they were looking for a specific slightly lower rate um, than the adult rate would be. We've also had this request from Northern Lakes College um, to have a student rate to allow more, um, when you're a student, your income levels are not uh, that great. This helps give them a little more access to the facility. And then we are proposing to add a monthly, member, monthly membership for the running track. Woo. Um, which we previously did not have in our rate system and it's just a natural next step to offer, even though we're actually not going to offer it once we reopen because um, we'll have a lot of limitations for the first couple of months before people will be able to access the track as maybe readily as they would have um, been able to access it pre-COVID. So, um, but we're put, we'd like to put that membership option in place in the bylaw. So once we're more readily available and open to the public, it is an option for them to look at. Um, we were looking at substantial increases within the pool user admission fees. Um, specifically, as an example, the family rate was 
going to be proposed to council of a uh, significant increase from $11.50 to $15. We have chosen because of our the COVID situation not to adjust any of our other rates, any of our admission fees, our drop-in fees at the Baytex, um, keeping everything else the same. Um, it is recommended by administration and some conversation that we've had with the, the Community Services Board that right now would be not a great time to be adjusting fees in an upwardly manner. Um, maybe holding the line would be the recommended way to go, but we'll reevaluate these fees for 2021 because we know we really do need to adjust some of our fee rates at the pool. Our family rate is quite low in comparison to our neighboring uh, indoor pools, such as Fairview and High Prairie. However, if council chooses, it is one of the options for you to take a look at adjusting any of our fee rates and up or down or keeping them the same. If you'd like to look at that, we can go back to the drawing board. So the three options presented to you this evening are to adopt the proposed changes to the fee bylaw. Um, your second option being sending administration back with uh, feedback or other rates that you would like us to look at or adjust and bring the bylaw back again. And option three being just to leave the existing bylaw in place and not make any adjustments. So if anyone has any questions, so what's the fee going to be uh, to put your face up on the uh, lamppost in the town of Peace River? Lamppost. There is no option for that. <laughs> what, makes you think the, what makes you think the owner of the lamppost wants somebody's face on it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm thinking that the schools will want to make this a... Uh, make this a standard practice and um, I know that we made an exception this year but I suspect they will want to put their grads on every lamppost in the town next year as well and the year after that and we should probably because uh, it does take time and effort to put up those those banners so there should be a cost associated with that to at least let us recover the cost of taking public works off other duties and putting them towards um, putting up banners. Sure. And uh, what administration, because we've had a very similar conversation internally, we're actually looking at developing a banner policy. Um, the COVID situation when it was extremely exceptional and actually it was the parents and the schools or some of the schools had sponsors. Each school paid for their banners separately and uh, differently. Um, they covered the cost of the banner in the lift. But uh, we've had that very similar conversation because there has been some, oh, let's do this again in the future. Um, I've, we've ran into some very significant issues with this project and administration will be bringing council a a policy that we would like to address that with. Um, but as per your question, your worship, there is a section within the bylaw that already allows public works to 
uh, recuperate costs based on actuals and uh, staff time under their section, not under the community services, under the community services section, but under the public works section. So in theory, we absolutely, well, not in theory, but in practicality, we could um, utilize that existing section for any future requests for cost recovery. How many banners were actually put up? Oh, uh, 100 and Alicia remembers off the top of her head. Oh, I can't hear you, Alicia. I'm going to say it's about 70 some banners. Ah, oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> there was approximately 82 from Peace High, 20 from Outreach, two from EQV, or sorry, not 80 from Peace High, 80 from Glen Mary, 50 or so from Peace High, but we did them back to back. So altogether, there was close to um, 80 at the very highest number. Yeah. So we were able to concentrate them all down Main Street, which worked out well. Okay, uh, another question on another part of the, the proposed bylaw. Sure. Um, Athabasca Hall on page 10 of 13, it says that um, refundable damage deposit on all rentals with alcohol being served. So does right. that mean that if you don't serve alcohol, you don't pay a damage deposit? That's correct. So we've made some changes and I was remiss at highlighting that. We did make some adjustments for the damage deposits. Um, the only time we've had any issues or mm, needed to have a damage deposit was uh, in relationship to alcohol service. We're actually reducing uh, damage deposits for all of our rentals because it's more of a administrative um, challenge to receive the damage deposit, we have to process it, we have to cut the renter a check. Um, we'd like to move away from that. We're very, very rarely have we had an issue. And we can, there's other means that we can uh, pursue an individual if there is a issue after a rental. You'll see it also under the ball diamonds. We've, re we've removed it because of the challenge of getting the check back to the individual. Um, we would have a lot of complaints of individuals not understanding why we were asking for one, why it took 30 days for them to get their damage deposit back. So we're just kind of eliminating that, um, that step. How easy is it to get the damage deposit back if they're from out of town? Um, we, again, haven't had much problem with that at all. They haven't necessarily been um, the offender per se. Yeah. Tanya, on the, uh, the shinny hockey, is it going from six to five or five to six? The, the, the copy I've got is just uh, it's hard to see it clearly, yeah. It's going from six to five because everything else is five. 
So it, it's, again, it just a, an administrative ease to be able to offer somebody a punch pass that's the same as the drop-in in the field house. That's just a little difficult to see on that. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And then, for example, under the running track, we highlight the super senior. It just wasn't written into the fee bylaw previously, so it's not a change. It's just actually writing it in there so it's very clear that the 75 plus is free for that section. Was it free at the pool too or no? No, just at the Baytex. But you could explore that option, but if I wouldn't necessarily. <laughs> we do need some revenue. <laughs> and right now it's, we really need some revenue. <laughs> I don't hear any more questions or worship if you'd like to call the question at all. Unless you have further questions. No. Uh, do we want uh, to vote for this? Someone going to make a motion? I would move first reading. Okay. Let's all all in favor of first reading. Looks like that's a pass. What about second reading? Who wants to do that? Ms. Downing. All in favor. Looks like a pass. I'll move we go to third reading. Oh, can we do that without R in here? Yeah. All in favor of going to third reading. You're not in favor of going to third reading, Elaine? <laughs> I take it that as a yes. Um, so we will, uh, who wants to make third reading here? Mr. Needham, all in favor? Excellent. Passed. Thank you. Okay. I take it there's no unfinished business, Mr. Parker. There is none, Your Worship. So I will go on to new business. There's a request for decision on the Regional Assessment Review Board Agreement. Your Worship and Council will be presenting this this evening. <clears throat> um, excuse me. Um, and what this is are changes to our regional um, assessment review board, of which we are part of a, a group that does assessment appeals, which includes us, Northern Sunrise County, Clear Hills County, and then the village of, villages of Hines Creek and Nampa. Um, and this agreement is in need of some updating, um, most, most of which the changes are fairly administrative and to align with MGA changes over the last 10 years. Um, just as a heads up, council will be seeing a bylaw that accompanies these changes. Um, that'll be coming to the next meeting. Um, and it's, we had to do one of them first, so this was the simplest and more, most straightforward to do. Um, so as part of your package, you have the amended agreement and then the original agreement, the amended agreement has changes that are shown in red. And really the two changes are 
um, the addition of a couple definitions, one of which is a chair, and then defining the the uh, board as a panel rather than a board, um, and then the the changes that accompany those definitions throughout, which really talks about how the the chair of the board would be responsible for composing um, the panel rather than the clerk from the municipality where the where the agreement would have initiated or the um, appeal would have initiated. So fairly minor changes. Um, also, as part of um, this, the members of the regional assessment um, appeal board called a meeting of their members, of which there are four or five currently, and the minutes of that meeting are attached to this document. Um, and as part of this amendment to or change to the agreement, um, we need to appoint a chair. And the members um, agreed that uh, Carolyn Kolababa would sit as the chair of the Regional Assessment Review Board. So if council is agreeable, um, the motion that is recommended by council or by administration says a council direct administration to enter into the updated agreement with the parties um, and that council appoint Carolyn Kolababa as chair of the assessment review board. And that will allow council to, or administration to uh, finalize this, get it signed on, on behalf of the town. And then we'll see the corresponding bylaw changes at the next meeting. Um, so you, uh, So there's nothing to vote on then, is there? Uh, there is. We're looking for authority to um, enter into the agreement. And I just oh. have to check. I do believe it was signed um, by the mayor and chief administrative officer. So again, that would that would council or council would be giving those part or people um, authority to sign on behalf of the town. Okay. Um, plus, we're looking to confirm the appointment of uh, Ms. Colababa as the chair. So, Mr. Good, you're making that motion? Mr. Good's making that motion. All in favor? Okay, very good. Okay. Then uh, we're getting a briefing note here on uh, temporary outdoor retail patio space. It's a pilot project. Can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. I've called in the audio. Uh, yes, so I'm presenting a briefing note uh, to Council about uh, our intention as administration to uh, announce a temporary outdoor patio and retail space pilot project. Um, so we've had a couple of requests from local businesses, uh, restaurants in particular, who have indicated their desire to expand uh, into public spaces to have uh, patios, in particular to try and increase their capacity relative to COVID uh, and the AHS spacing requirements. So rather than uh, do a piecemeal approach with those individual businesses, we've taken a look at what's happening in the city of Edmonton and the town of Okotoks, where they've got a pilot projects in place that are allowing businesses to, to enter these spaces and rather than going through a permitting process, we're just kind of laying out uh, what we require as a municipality 
and if they can meet those requirements and they commit to meet those requirements, uh, then they can go ahead without doing uh, uh, any sort of permit on our part, uh, aside from anything related to fire. So uh, what we've attached here is our, we've got three attachments. The first is just the project overview, which is some of the language that we would use for advertising and to put onto our website. The second is the temporary outdoor patio retail, uh, patio and retail space guidelines, uh, which outline some of our requirements. And then the project declaration form is the thing that the business would have to sign and provide back to the town, uh, declaring that they will follow those guidelines and so that they understand the limitations around the project. So the intent is that this is something that's temporary for this year. Um, obviously, if it works well, we can definitely look at expanding it in the future or incorporating it into our normal um, approach. But right now it's for 2020 and the intent would be that it would last until November. Um, that being said, I, I have still pass this on to AT. Um, that's one of the wrinkles here uh, compared to the town of Okotoks. Their pilot project doesn't apply to any roads that would are technically classified as a highway. So for us, um, AT is an additional step that some people who might be interested in patios would have to take. Um, and AT has indicated that they want us to kind of bring the date in a little bit when it comes to how long patios would be allowed out in public spaces. So I might need to tweak that before this goes live. Um, but it is largely complete and we're aiming to put it out uh, sometime this week. So we wanted to bring it to council's attention. We don't think at this time it's something that you guys need to provide permission for or direction on. Um, that being said, if you have any major thoughts about it, uh, we'd like to hear them. We invite that and then uh, we'll proceed. So um, a number of years ago, we somebody, um, actually, I think it was Jeff Demain made an application in, and Alberta Transportation spiked it. So yeah. you're saying Alberta Transportation is receptive to this idea now? They have been more open to the possibility than I have previously experienced. So I can't guarantee they will, anybody who wants to do this on Main Street would still have to get a roadside development permit from AT, so there might be some restrictions around that. Uh, but they have definitely indicated they are willing to contemplate it on uh, sidewalk spaces and even into our on-street parking along Main Street, which is definitely a very large step forward from what our previous conversations have been. Uh, I think it probably helps that this is a temporary pilot project and that there's no guarantee this is happening again next year. Yeah, well... Alberta Transportation is joining the 21st century, becoming civilized. Okay, yes, Ms. Manzer, go ahead. Um, so with respect to your, your comment just now, um, my concern would be um, timeline on getting permission for anything from Alberta Transportation, even if they sort of seem willing to consider this pilot <laughs> for limited time, because um, if it's a situation where Alberta transportation takes a month and a half, that kind of almost defeats the purpose. Absolutely, it does. I, I think, you know, I don't think that they'll sit on these applications for that long. They know it's a time limit of things. So there seems to be some goodwill to try and move this forward. Um, I would hope that that means that the, there'll be timely uh, review of the applications. I don't, I don't know that uh, applications at AT uh, actually take a very long time, especially for simpler ones, um, when they do go forward. So I, I have hope that that'll be okay, but really that is something that's outside of our control. So we're trying to open the door to this possibility, but 
we can't dictate to AT that's still their authority. So if you know that someone has applied to Alberta Transportation, would or would you know if they have applied to Alberta uh, Not necessarily, unless they tell us. So maybe they should be telling the town so that the town can say, heads up, Alberta Transportation. You know, if you know there's the application happening, mm -hmm. just, and also from the town's viewpoint, do you see this as being a, a day turnaround for the town for permission or a week or? Well, there won't be any permission from the town. That's, that's the idea here is that we're saying, these are our requirements. You have to commit through signing the declaration form that you'll meet those requirements and then you can go forward and do it. Uh, there are certain situations where they would uh, need some town permission. If it is on our public lands, then we will require uh, them to provide a certificate of insurance and for a certain amount. So we'll need to review that insurance and confirm for them that that, that is sufficient for our purposes. That's laid out in the, um, in the declaration form, the, the pages attached to the declaration form. Uh, so there'll be some communication back and forth if they wanted to leave uh, certain bits of furniture out overnight um, outside of operating hours within those public spaces, they would also need our permission because it is still public land. So we're retaining a little bit of control, but we're basically telling them, this is the framework, as long as you abide by it, go forward and, and do your thing. Thank you. Your Worship, I just like to add a comment to uh, Councillor Manzers. Uh, I do agree with the advocacy part with AT that might be helpful for some of those businesses. Uh, Director Bell, or pardon me, Director Town and I attended a recovery task force committee meeting with the Peace River Chamber, the Grimshaw Chamber, uh, Alberta. Hmm, what ministry is she from again? The ministries keep changing. Um, um, immigration, or no, use Labor, it was labor, employment labor. Thank you, Greg, I appreciate that. I was obviously stuck. Uh, County of Northern Sunrise was there, and they were basically saying, what can the town do to support businesses as they try attempt to recover? And I think this is, a, this is a really easy way for us to participate in in any of those kinds of recovery initiatives. So I think good job. Um, is there a possibility for some businesses, let's say, that want to space out, but uh, I'm thinking like, say Peace Garden has that, there's that walkthrough, that kind of graveled walkthrough there, or say next to Panago, they're right next to the park here that uh, some of those businesses could expand outside without having to fool about with uh, Alberta transportation or something like that? Uh, no, basically anything that happens along Main Street is within AT's jurisdiction and it doesn't matter whether within the, it's in the public right of way or on the adjacent private land. So if something is developed uh, in say that empty lot uh, right next to Peace Garden, then they would need a roadside development permit and the same thing goes for a patio space in that space. I think okay. they would be, they might have fewer concerns if it happens in that private land rather than on the sidewalk or within the, the parking space in front of the business, but they would still definitely need to get an AP permit. All right, thanks. 
So if we just have a motion to accept, that'd be fine, I think, uh, for information. You're not in favor, Elaine? Uh, I didn't hear the motion, Your Worship. You didn't or you did? I did not. Okay. The motion is to accept the briefing note for information. Okay, I think we've got a unanimous support here. Okay, great. Was that, that was Councillor Downing? Uh, no, yeah, it was Councillor Downing. Okay, uh, we have another briefing note, Pat's Creek, Pat, 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 Pat's Creek Emergency Response. Final report. Good evening, Your Worship and Council. Um, I'll be presenting this report. Uh, following the initial draft that was presented at the GNP, we realized that there was a mistaken understanding around the timing, which was that we called directly for the province's flood control assets rather than hauling. Uh, taking out our tiger, our own uh, aqua dam system and then using that. So we've gone back, we've made some clarifications to the timeline. Um, so essentially and very ironically, um, Captain uh, Frayne's wife happened to be on the phone with the fire chief from MD Smoky River when the call for water came in. So as he was leaving, the uh, chief said, well, does he want the the dam and he said, you know, what, what or does he want the trailer? And he said, well, what trailer? Because well, we have the flood control trailer. And he said, well, send it down in case we need it. So by the time Captain Frayne got on scene and met with the director of engineering, this was already en route. Uh, they, uh, using, you know, emergency lights and sirens, they made excellent time from Falaire. So that's why that asset was in place. Uh, the public works staff, those that were aware of the aqua dam and had seen it, were also aware that it wasn't particularly suitable for this. Um, they'd had problems with it in the past. So to check the asset, they actually did an exercise and the notes from the exercise are attached. Um, they had five people, which is the number that they had on hand at that evening. They didn't have the superintendent. They didn't have their foreman there. They stood off to the side and to represent not uh, being present and having to be phoned with questions and whatnot. And as you can see, there were a number of issues, even had staff been familiar with it, just the length of time that it takes, the fact that it's so susceptible to even small amounts of running water, it really reasonably could not have been deployed in a fast water situation as we had uh, during the Pats Creek flood. It's very much a preventative uh, asset. It's, it's not a let's roll it out and, and protect things asset. The, it's four feet in diameter. The Tiger Dam that was used for the Telus building and then later Stonehenge is only 19 inches in diameter and can be filled in 15 to 20 minutes. So it's much faster fewer people to deploy and easier to stabilize in any kind of running water. So that's the reason that that particular asset wasn't, wasn't used. 
and why the decision was made to go ahead with the earth berm given the situation. Okay. And, uh, and that's why you're presenting it. It's just that to correct that one piece of information. So do we have any new conclusions that we've added to this report? No, uh, sorry. Sorry, it's, it's basically uh, the same report with just the added information uh, since council had some questions that uh, uh, should have been put into the original report. Uh, we are still haven't done the investigation. We haven't done our walkthrough. So there's still a, another report that will be coming um, um, and with some recommendations at that point. So why did we call this a final report? <coughs> Pardon me, sorry? So then why did we call this a final report? Oh, this is the final report of the action after action report. It's not the final report. So it's how we responded. And um, so it is to talk about how we responded as opposed to what caused the issue. Following any emergency event, you do a, an after action report to, in, to identify areas where you can improve for the next response, either in planning or in execution. For example, the province requires that once every four years, we do a live exercise, uh, a live training exercise for emergency response. They do also, however, would accept uh, a real emergency with a proper after action report in lieu of that. So we will be submitting this to the province, but we will also uh, be doing the exercise going forward. But this is part of the emergency response process. Mr. Good? Uh, I think that's what where the clarification of the public needs to be, um, maybe to us and to the public, is that there's the emergency response and there was the, how the emergency response went once the event is in play. And once it's in play, I think the emergency response went well, not knowing what was coming. The question is, you know, the questions that come up are, could we, should we, and would we have known what were coming? And the answer to that, I don't have. And I don't think any of us at this point have that. But I think the, the emergency response went well. The crews got on there in a hurry. Everybody, I think, worked together fairly well. Uh, the mitigation was done, I think, under the circumstances that they arrived and saw, I think the mitigation was done well. I think what people are looking for is, and I think that's what you're talking about, Ruth and and, and uh, Chris, is that bringing the, I think what the public wants to see is, are there things that we can mitigate? Now, I know it is brought up a little bit in here about, you know, going in and checking for sofas and things like that, or things that people have moved into the tunnel. But I think that's what the next report that I think is going to be probably as important to most people outside of our own our own organization. Internally, we want to know if we responded well. Externally, I think people want to know is, can we mitigate? Is it financially viable to mitigate? Or is it something we're going to have to live with? I mean, you, you live along some rivers and guess what? If you have low-lying property, that's just the way it is. So I, th I think that that's what we're going to have to have a bit more detail on, I think public's waiting for. So I'm I think I've kind of explained my viewpoint on that. I think the emergency crews did really, really well, but I think the public really needs more information that's coming. So. No, ab absolutely. I, properly, this report should have been addressed to the emergency advisory committee, and that's the capacity that 
council is acting in when being presented that report. Um, as to future mitigations, uh, CAO Parker and the Director of Engineering had a conversation with the province this afternoon on possible mitigation, so I will let them take that. And we're just in the very preliminary discussions uh, of, of possible uh, things that we could possibly do, but we still have to do a, a walk through Pat's Creek and there, there's a lot of other factors that uh, we're dealing with right at this moment. But thank you very much, Councillor Good. That's exactly totally 100% appropriate uh, synopsis of what the two reports are. Ms. Manzer has a question. Um, so will the final report uh, also indicate um, um, whether this hydro dam is worthwhile at all in our usual circumstances, I guess? The hydro dam could be deployed, for example, if uh, it's not suitable, uh, for, it wouldn't withstand ice, for example, but if we knew, for example, if we had enough warning of expected extremely high water, uh, we could put it up on the dike to reinforce low-lying portions of the dike or protect other areas if we had the advance notice, which is not unfeasible given some of our river conditions. It's just not a rapid deployment thing. And, and, and there's some other locations it could possibly be put up in prevention. Uh, that wouldn't cause some problems, but we, we have to first measure everything out uh, and uh, it, it would be used in other conjunctions of other uh, uh, mitigation techniques. Any other questions? Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll call this an interim final. makes more sense <laughs> well it, it, it's final on the emergency response side it's final as to the entire uh, uh, flood matter it's that hasn't been addressed yet but I don't foresee unless council has further questions us making any more changes to this emergency response report and uh, and I hope we wait till we get the ladder truck for the next live exercise, live exercise. Okay. And Mr. Scamahorn wants to get on to the, uh, the minutes here. And he's made a motion to accept for information. All in favor? Okay. Penalties on utility accounts. Your worship and council, um, before you some information on our deferments on utility accounts, which council approved. And this seems like so long ago, but it was only three months, give or take. Um, and what we'd done then is we had followed suit with provincial um, requests that penalties on utility accounts were deferred for a three-month period. That three-month period actually expired on Friday. Um, so June 19th was the, the deadline date. Um, and we, the next time that we would charge penalties will be on, on July 20th. So we do have a little bit of time, but we, um, staff are, are requesting council's uh, 
opinion or direction on on whether we should uh, let the um, deferments lapse or do we consider extending or some other option. Um, so we presented some financial information here that shows um, where we are compared to last year. And in terms of our total utility receivables, um, we're up about 6.6% compared to last year. Those are dollar values. And considering the increase in utility rates, um, water rates over the last year, um, that basically means that our, our financial, even though our financial amount is up the volume of say consumption or receivables on consumed waters is similar. <clears throat> um, but again, you know, a 6.6% increase um, clearly shows that there's um, some segment of the population that that is um, not as up to date as, as they used to be. Um, so again, we're just presenting the information to allow council to make his decision. Um, if council's interested in, <clears throat> excuse me, in continuing the deferment, there is a financial cost that, that would be incurred. Um, approximately $1,800, $1,850 um, per month. So there's a couple options before council. The first is to uh, maintain the current end date of the deferment on, on penalty charges of June 19th. Um, by doing so, we'll, we'll encourage, the, encourage the payment of utility accounts. And again, one thing to say on the um, increase in balance is, you know, if people don't have to pay, they won't pay. So, um, you know, maybe that's an underlying condition as opposed to ability to pay. We're not sure. Um, you know, but so if we do end the deferment, though, there might be some segments of the population that are impacted. Um, and there's, there's no financial implications if, if we do consider that. Um, alternatively, uh, council could extend the penalty deferment date. And as I said, by doing so, um, there is a cost, so a loss of revenue of um, approximately $1,850 per month. Or another option that's considered or could be considered as a, uh, temporarily amending the penalty rate of 1.5% per month on outstanding balances. Um, and then by doing so, that would um, have a penalty or, or an amount in place to hopefully incentivize some people to try to pay faster, but it would be less of a, a financial burden on, on those who, who could not pay. So staff's recommendation is actually for option one, which is to um, maintain the existing deferment date. Um, but of course we are sensitive and, um, and um, if council wants to decide something different, we will um, manage that and, and make sure it happens. Sensitive and new age. Very good, Mr. Town. It's, it's uh, these difficult times. Um, perhaps there's a way we can sort of tie our uh, resumption of these penalties with uh, some other metrics. So, for example, right now our province is in phase two of, I'm assuming, what is what, three phases, if I'm not correct? Um, what if we just say we will resume charging penalties once, you know, phase three 
is underway and then that way we're sort of tying it to something that's a little bit more measurable something that people that are you know watching the province's economy are keeping an eye on you know that kind of thing uh that sort of would make it uh fair and then we wouldn't have to revisit it again we could just we could just apply that date now and then administration would know when to kind of get started again that is doable um from a reopening perspective um i think the province is focusing on more the public health and, and safety aspect rather than other financial items but if, if council so chooses um staff could accommodate i might disagree on your last point there about what the province is entirely <laughs> focused on no criticism i'm just saying i believe they are factoring in public safety and the economy in their approach Agreed. They are trying to balance the two. Ms. Manzer. Um, two questions. Does the town have any idea if uh, the accounts, the water accounts that were, water and waste, I guess, that were using this um, deferral, if they were mostly businesses or individuals or don't really know? Um, do not have that information as part of the report. We just looked at the the aggregate information. Um, again, it's it's a six-page receivable listing. Um, we then have to go back and look at it by by meter type or account type to to grab that information. So the short answer is no. We don't have that. Thank you. And the la second question, um, just um, for sure, an eighty-dollar utility bill would have a penalty charge of a dollar twenty. But if the $80 is put off each month for four or five months, that's quite a bill that's being racked up to be paid. That, that's correct. Um, again, if it's, if it's threefold and it's $240, then it's um, $360 for $3.60 for, for penalty charges. Plus the 300 and whatever. Plus, plus the bill, yep. Yeah. So, um, so you won't be able to tell us whether it's the usual procrastinators that are on that list. Um, we we haven't. We did not look at year-to-year -year comparables. Um, I, I will say that both the age reports were were six pages long. So it's not like there's a, a bevy or a whole bunch of new people. It's you know maybe different people or could be the same people, but it's. It's not like double the people are, are taking advantage of it and not paying their bills. It's the same number and whether it's a little different or fully different, uh, that's uncertain. Yes, Ms. Downing. Uh, I like Councillor Scamhorn's suggestion as, you know, when he says let's tie it to something. Although I have to say that I expected the numbers to be higher than they were. Is it just me that thinks 6.5% difference is lower than we thought it was going to be so maybe this isn't actually the saving that we thought it was going to that that it was going to be supporting um the economic impact that we maybe assumed um, i was surprised by the number i did expect it to be higher also um, I, I think it kind of goes to show that from a you know ability to pay perspective um, affording to pay for water bills and keeping up to date with that probably isn't as onerous as um, some other bills that people experience, um, especially other utilities like gas and hydro that could be 
so much more expensive and even cell phone bills and TV bills and that kind of stuff. So if, if we're talking about a small difference, and I don't mean to downplay uh, the challenges that people have been facing over the last few, three, four months, um, but maybe this isn't the best way for us to provide support. Maybe this isn't the way people need us to be supportive of them is what I'm saying is maybe there's a different way for us to, for people who can't pay their bills for a particular reason, maybe there's a better way for us to do this. Or maybe everyone in Peace River was an essential worker. Could be your worship. I, I, you know, I can't speak to that, but it just, when I read this, it just caught me a, a bit surprised that I expected it to be larger numbers. The problem with waiting for stage three is stage three may never come. Well, this Downing does make an excellent point in that there's so little impact, we could just resume business as usual and not, not bother and perhaps uh, a more helpful solution might come by way of the public when you know they say hey this might be helpful or we would appreciate that or, or whatever and we can uh, resume business as usual I'm, I'm i'm really i'm flexible i'm not i'm not held to any of my previous statements those were just ideas i see councillor goodwood leaving great uh yeah mr good um, I kind of liked Byron's suggestion and, I, and recognizing Councillor Downing's comments. Um, this may, however, be helping those that need it the most in that area. I mean, different people have different bills, different things. And I think that if there is 6% that it's affecting or it's affecting 6% of our normal number or whatever the number is but within range of that, this may be giving them the support they need to get through. So I, I'm not sure that you want to end something that may be the one thing that they're having a difficulty with. Maybe they're making their loan payments, maybe they're making their, their, their bills, um, their car payments, their gas payments, whatever. And this is allowing them the freedom. So, and at, and at the $1,800 a month, we can revisit that at another time. We could revisit this at another time. But I kind of like the idea of tying it to an economic recovery when you're hoping that based on that recovery, that the majority of people that have the opportunity to be employed are going to return to employment. If let's say you, you're getting going to get to a position where compared to be pre-COVID, that you're never going to get past 80% or 90% recovery of, of jobs. Um, that's going to be a reality that you're going to face regardless of what end date you put on it, whether it's today, tomorrow, or the end. But at least you'll know that at the time. Um, if they say, look, we're going back to stage three, and I hate to say it this way, but 20% of the people are still going to be unemployed, but those that can be employed are back at work. And I think that's when you withdraw, that's when you change your policy and say, as far as we're concerned, the bills go back to normal. Now people have to react in, you know, in a way that sort of is commensurate with their economic situation. So I'm kind of supporting uh, Byron's first situation of holding off till, till stage three as far as the increases. But again, I'm, I'm open to it, but I, I do see some wisdom in that. Elaine Manzer. 
Um, uh, Mr. Town, do you know the um, electrical, like ATCO and those ones, um, they had a three month a deferral and that was it? That's was correct, that's, that's my understanding and, and that three months is now over. I kind of agree with the comment that the water bill is probably the, the least um, of people's concerns in terms of the amount of their monthly bills for different utilities per month. So I'm also concerned that all of a sudden um, somebody receives this $500 water bill and then what? They're no further ahead than finding out it about it sooner. So. I would kind of like to end the program now. We do worry a little bit about collections on, you know, if people realize that they don't have to pay interest, so they let the, the amount lapse and all of a sudden, boom, it's a $700 bill. And then, you know, we, we don't want to say we fight with them, but then we have to enter into agreements not to cut them off and, and payment plans and that kind of stuff. It, it's just sort of additional potential workload and stress for staff, stress for for residents and in that type of stuff. And um, you know, from the staff perspective, that's a consideration, but you know, we you know we understand that the uh, community probably comes first on this one. So Greg, that number in the report that you 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 don't know how many users that twenty three thousand nine eighty six number represents and if I'm reading it or I'm looking at a number that's 120 days plus so do we know if that's 10 customers or is it a hundred or is it just six six percent of 2200 utility bills I think uh, that's no no so um, the total people in arrears is 50 there's probably 60 lines per page so uh, six pages approximately 350 people in um, accounts total um, and I don't know what level so some of them will be in like the 30 to 60 day um, and then stop some might be further so I, I don't have the number of accounts oh. in each category right and I, from memory I think we do about 2200 utility bills or thereabouts maybe um, yes that, that's pretty close yeah so with the office being closed is it a safe assumption that people just took advantage of the office is closed, this is COVID, I'm not gonna pay my bill. So the financial implication is, is is nothing. It's just convenient for me not to go downtown to the office because I think it's closed or it is closed. So- yep. And that's true. There was a certain percentage of uh, people who did pay either through debit or cash that, you know, while the office was closed. And again, we've been open for, you know, almost a month now in some way, shape or form. So. We probably well, I, those people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess, yes, we we're all sensitive to what's going on. I mean, it, it, uh, at the same time, I, I would like to think that uh, those that participate in whatever COVID grant is available, that they've got some sort of income coming in. So I, I guess, you know, that offsetting some of the costs, but I mean, we don't intend to forgive these bills. And if this carries on, it's, yeah, my water bill is $100, $100 a month, so it wouldn't take long, and it's got a $500 water bill. So I'm not sure we're doing, um, I, I'm not sure how much of a service we're doing somebody by postponing their debt. Again, I'm 
sensitive to doing what we can do, but is it is it really a deal breaker? Uh, what I'm trying to understand. And don't forget uh, the 30 or 50 out of that 30 or 50 that are on the two pages or the 300. There are a bunch of there are probably a couple of repeat customers like the mayor who just procrastinates until uh, his water bill is about to be cut off and then he pays. <laughs> I know I know what the mayor's lawn looks like during the summer and given the weed controls that are out there in the mountain grass goes, I can't see you using very much water, but that's right. I don't that's why I don't worry about it. Okay, I think before this <laughs> spirals down, I'm gonna move that we uh, accept option one and uh, resume normal collections penalties. Th fees, thank you, Council Scamahorn. Okay, all in favor of resuming? So that's one, two, three, four. Against? Two, is that two or were, were you in for favor of option one? It's my motion, I was in favor of it. Yeah, don't have to do that. Well, I was. Okay, so five to one, okay, done. You can, you can start bringing out the hammer, Mr. Town. We will do so gently, Your Worship. It, it's one and a half percent. It's pretty gentle. Yeah. You're such I mean, a sensitive guy. Bank, right? so. Okay. Um, that is essentially it, isn't it? So now we, we're into reports. We have the Peace Library System 2019 Annual Report. Does uh, Ms. Manzer want to add anything to that report? Uh, no, but you asked for pictures. So on the second and third pages, there's pictures and there's graphs and a whole bunch of things. So just of note, the, the uh, revenue into Peace Regional Library System is about 2.9 million. Uh, expenditures last year were about 2.7 million. And um, they do have reserves for uh, buildings, uh, the van, which puts on 5,500 kilometers a year, I guess, and uh, various other things that are ongoing. So I'll leave you to read the auditor's report. And if you have any questions, I could try and find answers. And don't you think those infographics really add value to your report? Are you swearing? Is that why you turned off your your microphone? Sorry, I forgot I turned it off. Uh, no, I just said they add a lot of value for those that like pictures, yes. <laughs> well, I guess library readers are big on pictures, I guess. Okay. Um, North Peace Housing Foundation Board synopsis for June 3rd, 2020. Um, Mr. Scamahorn, do you want to uh, underscore anything in your report? Uh, nothing too serious. Uh, demolition is going ahead at uh, the Autumn Lodge. And I think kind of the, the biggest thing that people are concerned about, including our residents, is, is with phase two opening up a lot of other, uh, let's say, businesses and establishments and services and that kind of thing. Uh, there's still a lot of uh, trepidation. I mean, if the if you look at the stats for for our uh, unfortunately for people that have you know, succumbed to or become very sick from COVID nineteen, uh, our elderly are definitely most at risk. In particular, those that are um, in in closer quarters, like you would find. So, 
yeah, the, the, the foundation is, is, uh, you know, keeping a pretty, uh, tight, I guess, lid on, on, on controlling what comes in and goes out. And, and a lot of that is, in fact, most of that is, is, is driven by the residents themselves. It's not, it's not a case of, you know, people wanting to strain against the, the regulations they, they, they're, they're hoping to, you know, maintain those protections, everything else in the, um, in the, in the reports. Well, easy enough to read, but that's kind of the, the biggest news uh, right now uh, that, that I would suspect most people are curious about. Okay. Uh, Ms. Manzer? Um, just a, a question about um, North Peace Housing business plan. Is there a plan still for the condos to the west of the uh, admin building? And what time frame? And the same thing for the duplexes in the north end of town by um, the uh, ReadyMark kind of store. Is there a time frame? Are they still going ahead, or has it changed? Uh, that would um, I would probably send that one to uh, Mr. Good as far as the condos and stuff goes. Um, speaking on the condos, no, I, I, there was a time frame. Um, the COVID situation has basically taken over virtually everything because we're now, to a large extent, it's a life and death situation for people that are in the lodges, and it really has been. Um, there, there were almost daily phone calls with the government. That's eased off. It's now a couple of phone calls every week, two to three different calls every week. And then the changes in the orders tomorrow, for example, there's going to be a town hall meeting on visitation. Um, with families and other and caregivers and that so the government's looking at changing <clears throat> policies or or I, would, I can't say changing they're looking at re-examining visitation in the lodges and because that's taken so much of a time it really has thrown off all of our plans and especially in consideration of the duplexes it's still on the radar but i'm not sure what will be going ahead we also have to take a look at the economics again and the same with the development um, of the townhouses or the redevelopment of the townhouse area. That is still part of the plan, um, it, but it's a matter of the housing that we have. There was housing that the foundation that the province had where they turned over to the, to the foundation to sell and to disperse. So that sort of was delayed a little bit. So everything has been kind of put on hold. That I wish I could give you a better answer for dates. I just can't. But it's, it's not off the radar. It's just a matter of when we can get back to, as most people are finding in this world, somewhat normal operation. The world is not somewhat normal right now. So I, I wish I could give you a better answer. Good. Okay. Um, I will take a motion to accept uh, the two reports. Nine one and nine two for information. Uh, Ms. Downing, all in favor? Okay, great. Passed. And there is one item under information. It's a letter from NSC to uh, Jason Nixon, uh, Minister of Environment, regarding Green Valley Provincial Park. I, uh, yeah, I, I. Uh, I guess I had missed the fact that this would be one of the parks that's on the chopping block. Um, 
So I'm glad NSC picked up on it. I think administration should be writing a letter that supports this. Um, because I don't think we want it to go out to a basically a, a private individual or private individuals and it becomes private property and they can do with it what they want uh, because this the natural barriers that are on there the beaver dams and likewise are probably a good flood control measure and i'm a little worried that if people see it as a uh, just a large culvert we'll have a similar situation happening on the Hart River as we do on the uh, Pat's Creek. So I think uh, something um, that tells uh, Jason Nixon that they need to hang on to this as a flood control measure. I would agree, uh, Your Honor. Um, I would put forth a motion that uh, town admin uh, be directed to write a letter in support of uh, Northern Sunrise's uh, letter to Minister Nixon about the um, Dr. Green um, Park. Okay. Okay, all in favor? Or do you have a question, Mr. Good? Yeah, just what, um, we're directing administration like the letter. I think as the letter is written, if that letter is written from the Reeve of Northern Sunrise County, that our support should come from the mayor on behalf of the town. Yeah, yeah, I'll sign it, yeah. So we'll still vote on it. Uh, all in favor of such a letter? Okay, it looks like we have full support. Opposed. Oh, you're opposed. Okay. Okay. Uh, any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Uh, any? Well, I suppose we don't have any comments from the public. Uh, uh, Ms. McQuaig, anybody uh, write in to you? Or Autumn? Ms. Ms. Hume? I have received nothing, sir. Okay. Um, key communication items, Ms. Hume. What should we be uh, sending out over Twitter? Um, coming out of this meeting, thinking we'll focus on outdoor patios and the pilot project once we okay. get the final go ahead on the details from that. We also have the changes to the uh, utility accounts, the penalties there. So we'll be providing some updates on that. Um, and just so council's aware, we our current focus right now has been on um, summer camp promotion. So we just opened our uh, registration system online for summer day camps, as well as uh, Canada Day backyard buckets. So we've had to change the Canada Day celebrations a teeny bit this year. We're uh, delivering buckets full of swag and items that people can have to host their own parties safely at their own homes this year. So registration for that wraps up on Wednesday. So far we've got quite a few and I think we're still a little bit shy of our cap though. So 
Uh, do you have a question for Ms. Yoon, uh, Mr. Stanhorn? I do not have a serious question about the buckets, no. Um, the, uh, I, I think we should, uh, should also mention that we're going to write a letter in support of NSC's letter to keep uh, Green Valley uh, in the yep. provincial park system from a, for, as a flood mitigation uh, measure. I would prefer if we did write a letter that we write one that's logically coherent and gives us some measure of our understanding around what conservation is and how it actually works in regards to hunting. That would just be my preference. Um, yes, that was a veiled or not so veiled criticism of the letter. Um, yeah, so, but your criticism isn't of using it as a flood mitigation tool, all right? No, entirely not. If those measures are required within that area, they should absolutely be taken care of. But the point of our letter looks like it would be very different from the point of theirs. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Um, oh, um, do I have any... Uh, Am I, do I need to appear somewhere on July 1st? No. Oh, so like nothing. To, if you'd like to do a message, um, we could always broadcast that somehow, but we don't have any specific event that you would appear at, no. So we're not gonna have a flag raising at the museum? We don't have any public events scheduled right now. Okay. There might be a special van available. You could drive up and down Main Street with the flag hanging out the window. Uh, do we have a van? Uh, just, I'm, I'm off topic, Your Worship. You missed that part of the discussion earlier on in the meeting. Oh. Perhaps a pin the beard on the mayor game for the Canada Day buckets would be appropriate. Uh, or uh, cut the locks off the mayor. Um, okay, uh, I think that's pretty well it then, Ms. Yoon. So we will uh, adjourn. We won't, we won't adjourn, we'll just recess for five minutes uh, as we have four in-camera items and I understand that's a separate meeting or that's a, that's a different Zoom meeting but it's the same council meeting. Okay, very good. Okay, thanks. So we'll see everybody in about five minutes.